Hello, and welcome to Three Association, a podcast about compassionate, contemplative, evocative supervision for spiritual directors, created by supervisors trained in the Together in the Mystery model. I'm Tara Owens. And I'm Maria Tattoo Bowen. We're glad you're here. Now let's listen in on today's Three Association conversation. Welcome. We have today as our guest, Jeremy Fry, who is the director of Sacred Community for Anamkara Ministries. He is a spiritual director and in training with the Companioning Center to become a supervisor. He has been in pastoral ministry previously for 18 years and is coming to us from Nashville, Tennessee, with his puppy, who is probably not in the room with him, and his chickens, which are definitely not in the room with him. Welcome, Jeremy. Really glad to have you. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yes. Welcome, Jeremy. And Jeremy, I have to mention, is responsible for editing our podcast. So this podcast would not be possible without him. And we are deeply grateful. And how beautiful to have you in front of the microphone today, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be on this side of the microphone once in a while. (laughs) Gives you some balance, lets you, (laughs) reminds you that when you're editing out all of our ums and restarts and silly statements that you are capable of making them too. That's right. So today we're talking about confidentiality and Jeremy, I wonder whether you might have a free association about confidentiality. Yes, actually, because I do know the format of this and when I received the topic I had an immediate free association. I have little children at my house. And right now we've been watching uh, a movie called Encanto. And so the first thing that came to my mind was we don't talk about Bruno. That's the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about confidentiality. See, now all of our podcast listeners who have children under a certain age are now singing the song and will mm-hmm. be singing the song for the rest of this recording. So you're welcome. You're welcome, listeners. And for those of you who are in ignorance, may it be bliss. Somehow, I don't know that song, but Baby Shark is coming to mind. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 We don't talk about Bruno's a little bit better than Baby Shark. But. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. So how about you, Maria? Free association off the word confidentiality. I don't have anything creative this morning, but what I'm, my free association is just more of a memory. How often I've encountered spiritual directors who share an email with their spouse. And then I freak out about that. So my big free association. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Tara? Confidential. The word confidential always, I never watched the show LA Confidential. That's what comes up. So I have like literal, literally no pop culture background behind LA Confidential other than the title LA Confidential, but it does bring up a sense of secrecy or like intrigue or this private eye thing that I think sometimes can really trip us up when we're talking about the topic of confidentiality. It was helpful for me as I was thinking about this conversation to realize, oh, 
for a lot of people, myself included, that knee-jerk reaction to the word confidential means something is going wrong and that people resist, I think, that word, or even on a level that I was not aware of in myself, that some of those associations with the word confidentiality are not actually super positive. Interesting. Do you think that have something to do with sort of the line between confidentiality and secrecy? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so much around secrecy that can be damaging, particularly around abuse and things like that. So I wonder whether part of today's conversation is distinguishing those from each other. I hope we go there. As we transition into that, Jeremy, as you think about your practice of spiritual direction and your practice of supervision, what is the value We talk about confidentiality a lot, but what does that look like practically? And also, why do you find it such an important and valuable and perhaps positive thing to be thinking about when it comes to spiritual direction and supervision? Yeah, I I was thinking about this actually earlier today and thinking about how there in my mind the sort of two parts when it comes to confidentiality. There's a logistical side of it of just maintaining a level of confidentiality logistically and what that means and I think there's some helpful sort of practical ways to do that. And then the other thing that came to mind for me is just the word that came to mind for me was that confidentiality is a gift to our directees. It's something that we offer. And part of the reason that that word came up for me is I just think about the people that I sit with who the my office or my Zoom space may be the only safe place that they have to process their story or work through maybe something that's going on spiritually. Maybe they're working through some particular aspect of their faith, but they're in a ministry position and there's just not another place on the planet where they can just be clear and honest and reflective about what they actually are feeling or what they're actually thinking. And so I just really feel like confidentiality becomes a gift that we offer our directees in a way that allows them to know that there's this absolutely safe space that they don't have to put on airs for us. They don't have to withhold. They can just have an open, safe place to process things. I love that. I, because I'm a word nerd, I was looking up the word confidential earlier today and realizing that the association with confide and Mm. trust with the word confidential sort of ties into what you're talking about, Jeremy. And I think even in the supervision process, one of the things that I see and hear a lot, and it's natural, I don't think it's something that's intended by supervisees when they come, when they bring a contemplative reflection form or something like that, and they don't really make the directee's name confidential. Or as they're bringing something to supervision, they're slipping and using the person's real name. And That may seem like a really small thing. And again, I'm not trying to get down on anybody who has done that because I've done that accidentally. We all are human. But to even in the small things to say, I am dedicated to making a space where my directee and my supervisee can trust that I am the one with the help of God protecting this space, that they don't have to have any armor on, as you say, and that that 
they can be utterly themselves. And there are so few places, as you say, Jeremy, where we can do that. And it is just a, it's such a holy gift to offer that we pay attention to those things from not sharing an email address with somebody else, whether it's our spouse or someone in our family, having some data protection protocols in place that mean that you are sending things in an encrypted way so that people's stories aren't just available um, when they have given them to us as treasures. And that we're also not talking even generally about our directees or supervisees to other people or to the world, that their stories are holy and safe. But I think that also sort of has that line of secrecy in a particular way. I'm wondering, Maria, as you hold that, what you might say to that through space. Yeah, I mean, I think with regard to things like sharing email addresses, I think people do that not to be egregious in any way, but to, to not have secrets, say, with their spouse or significant other. And so it's done out of a desire for transparency. That said, I sense that with spiritual direction, it's it, there's an attitude of confidentiality on the part of the spiritual director that I that we need to cultivate, and that doesn't necessarily come naturally to us. The confidentiality agreement that we have with our directees and supervisees does not include our spouse or anyone else in our lives. So we need to be cultivating the confidentiality. And we could feel like we're keeping secrets from our significant others, say, if we do that or our best friend. But if we feel like that, let's go to our supervisors and talk about it. Because, because as you've both spoken to, the value of that safe place is incomparable. Yeah. And Tara, as you were sharing, I was even thinking about how oftentimes or my attempt when I go into supervision is that I even remove gender pronouns in my CRF. And as I'm talking, I work really hard and we, you know, we slip up occasionally, but to even just remove those gender pronouns to, to provide that same sort of just honoring the directee, even in that supervision space. And, and I, and Maria, I was actually thinking about some of the logistics of, of confidentiality and we have, I do most of my work through a calendar. And so I have access to that calendar. And if you're not careful, like the, your calendar automatically appears on your amp, your Alexa show or whatever, all of the, oh, some of those you, documents. You and so that. just making sure that as you set up your devices in your home, that those things aren't just popping up randomly. And, and it sounds like such a, it's just a thing that I think is easy for us to overlook when we think about confidentiality. Yes. I don't have Alexa, so that didn't come to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think sometimes we want to share our calendars with our family, for example, mm. and we have to find a way to do that that doesn't include people's names. Yeah. yeah. And I, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about what it means to tend the boundary, what it means to not police the boundaries, which I think some risees, directees, or directors get in that place of, but I have to, I have to police all the things now. And that feels, er, and aren't we supposed to be vulnerable and trusting of one another? And yes, but this is this vocation to which we're called the space of holy listening requires us to really cultivate those boundaries, to tend to them as one would tend to repairing the fence or like just noticing if there are holes where trust can leak out and it's happening 
in ways that are not intentional on our part, but even as devices, new devices, connections, whatever these things are, whether it's not telling a story, I think about tending the boundaries in my own soul. The work of spiritual direction can feel and be, and and supervision as well, somewhat lonely in that regard, because we don't tell stories. We don't And we can feel like we want to, and we're in a conversation and we're like, oh, but I want to share that thing. I have this great, this, and that brings us to a place where we might reflect on our own ego needs in that moment. What are, why might we be, it sounds like a brutal word, but sacrificing something that is really holy and honorable with our directee in the service of ourselves. And to think about that in our desire to to tell the stories and but also the boundaries around around what it means to keep the information safe that has been entrusted to us my father-in-law retired from the military and then went to work as a military contractor in satellites and what he recently retired and the kind of work that he did, he couldn't have, he had to have two phones. So like he had his normal phone and he put it in a locker when he got to work and he got his other phone out when he got into work and he had to sign all these agreements. And when he retired, he had to sign something that said he would not talk about his work for 150 years, like wow. well beyond his like, and that he can't write. And he even said he'd been working on a big project and he, to his coworker, he said it wasn't finished and it was going to finish in like another five years or so. And he said, if I see you in the mall or something and it's gone well, and I nod at you, just nod back. And his coworker said, no, there's, there is there are places in our world that have, and that's like, that's military satellite secrets, which I'm not, are important, but like how much more valuable is the ground of someone's soul? How much yeah. more ought we to tend the importance of not a military secret that might make you vulnerable because of X, Y, Z thing, but instead like the holiness of someone's soul and their story with God. So that that's, I think that's so right, Tara. And I wonder whether at this point in our conversation, we might want to get really concrete about what the confidentiality agreements are that we're making. We're saying confidentiality with oral communication, with written and electronic material. It extends to even the identity of our directees. We're not allowed to sit, to share that. Um, Jeremy, you also mentioned just like the nuts and bolts of this, the technical pieces. I wonder if you might speak to that a little bit about how you guard your directee's confidentiality. I think just as simple as not having that information just in a in a readily available place. I don't even take paper notes ever with a directee. If I need to write something down, I have a like a digital space that I can put that where it's not accessible to anyone who doesn't have my thumbprint, just, which sounds, I know for some people that sounds like, oh, that's so over the top. But again, for me, that's just a way to honor the directee and honor that story. Even the way that we store um, people's confidentiality agreements that we sign together, that we sign those, and then those are stored in a secure location. We do all of those digitally so that they can be stored digitally in a secure place. They're not papers with people's signatures sitting around. And again, I know that's not how everyone does it, but if you're not doing it that way, then 
be thinking through what is your plan to secure those documents? Is there a place where they can be locked up and kept safe? I have little kids at home who have no idea that when they walk into dad's office, you know, they're going to rifle through whatever they want. Right. And so <laughs> is there a way to store those things that, that there's just not a, an opportunity? Because I think, as you said, Tara, it's not that, it's not that I think ever do that in a malicious way or in a way that's, no. it's just something that can happen if we're not thinking about it and not considering that that it's the story of another that we're holding and just how sacred that is, just the privilege that we have to do that. Yeah. It's another opportunity to practice mindfulness, isn't mm-hmm. it? Just to be mm-hmm. conscious and present about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that comes to mind in thinking about that is that in talking about confidentiality with my directees and my supervisees, I name what will happen if we happen to encounter each other in a place that is not the spiritual direction session and that I will not disclose that I'm your spiritual director and I will not walk up to you to have a conversation if we're in a grocery store or at church, for example, which is goes into the place of multiple and complex roles, but I won't you are welcome. And that's the where the power goes to the directee. You're welcome to say to somebody else, hey, that's Tara. She's my spiritual director or she's my supervisor, but I'm not going to initiate any of those things because it's it is a sacred space. And I also think about the fact that we talk about everything that you say in this session is going to be held confidentially. Unless you say something that makes me concerned, you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. So not only do we name the boundaries of confidentiality, we name when they could be transgressed. The other thing I actually do is let my directees and supervisees know that I'm in supervision. And one of the things that I do in our covenant time is say, this is the person to whom I will be disclosing information. I will be disguising your name. There will be no identifying details that are shared. But if ever you don't want me to, please tell me. And there will be other ways for me to process or bring that kind of thing. And I also, as a supervisor, I destroy, I digitally destroy CRFs that come to me after the supervision session. I make sure I'm regularly purging files so that there's just nothing that exists in my systems or digitally that is not mine to hold. And so all of those things are Again, it's tending the edges or in the boundaries and continuing to keep them clear and clean. Yeah. At Fordham, we do a data protection protocol in the training. And that's, I think that's really important because things like CRFs can pile up in email. They can pile up in apps if you use an app to write on them as a supervisor. And if we don't go through and purge those on a regular basis, we just don't know what might happen there. It's just not, it's not mindful (laughs) to not do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to speak for a moment to keeping records. Jeremy, you were talking about doing it electronically with your thumbprint. That makes a lot of sense. I know people who store them in locked cabinets. But one thing, I'm kind of a big advocate for not keeping records at all in the sense that I was once going to be subpoenaed to testify against my directee 
which would not be the most heartbreaking thing. I was just, I was appalled. And they said, we want all your records. I said, I have no records. I was never happier (laughs) than Mm. that moment that I don't Mm -hmm. keep Mm -hmm. records about what people tell me. I do really. And I think there's a sense of just, can we trust the Holy Spirit to bring back parts of the story that this person needs at the time that they need it. And I think if we can lean into that trust, maybe we can stop some of the potential for leakage of information. Maria, that makes me think of a a story. When I was in training for spiritual direction, what feels like a million years ago, I, I was directing a lot of seminary students and because I was new in the practice of direction, I felt anxious about remembering who went with what details. And, and so I was writing some notes and I remember very clearly the spirit said, and stop now. And I said, my memory, God, these people are important to me. And you know that this memory doesn't work super well. If I stop taking notes, you have to be in charge of my memory when it comes to these holy stories with these people. And ever since, it's been such a deep gift. I don't take notes. And if I run across somebody in a grocery store, I sometimes couldn't tell you if they're married or not, if they have kids or not, nothing. But in session, it is all there. Everything that is there that is, is needful is there because of the faithfulness of the spirit to this person and to me as a director to know what I need to know, which isn't to say I don't practice that attention, but I don't practice retaining it for the sense of retention, but instead just to hold that, that Margaret Gunther talks about holy forgetting. And I think that's a part of confidentiality as well. I also think it's important to consider what happens to things like our calendars, things like electronic data after we die. We've been living through a pandemic, which may or may not be super active when this podcast is published, but um, any of us, it makes us so clear that any of us could die at any moment. And do we have instructions that let people know let one person know that we trust what to do with our confidential information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked in season one with Vanessa Caruso about the toolkit, and she talked about like the development of a professional will, which allows for that. And I've I have other spiritual directors and supervisors in my life with whom I've had the conversation of you will know how to access the files. And you will be a person who I trust to let my directees and supervisees know, should it be a sudden event that isn't anticipated in any way. And that I'm doing the work between now and whenever that time comes that nobody has to go through my files because my files aren't there. That it's a caring act, not only for your directee, supervisee, but for the reality that there's there's just all sorts of stuff that exists that doesn't need to be taking up space and isn't caring of self, of the directee, the supervisee, in terms of guarding that place, because there are so few places where we can exist in that naked and unashamed space where we know that we are not observed that we are like we are held, but we are not in danger of having any of this used 
in any way, shape, or form. Jeremy, you spoke earlier about the logistics of things, and we've spoken a little bit about that, but is there more you'd like to say about how you handle confidentiality logistically? I don't know that there's a lot more, I think, just to think through where, who has access to your calendar and how that works. And there, there are features, if you use Google Calendar, there are features where if you share that calendar, you can just put where anybody who sees that calendar just says it's blocked time, where they can't mm-hmm. see what it is, but that it's blocked off. So if a spouse needs to know when you're busy, there are ways to do that. And so I think it, it's worth the sort of due diligence to sit down and say, if I'm going to use these tools, how are ways that I can use them and maintain confidentiality? Again, when I talk about keeping records, I just am even thinking the like the a liability release form, those kinds of records that we have directees sign when we enter into a direction relationship, that those are stored even, you know, that that may be the only document that you have that has anybody's name on it, but it needs to be stored somewhere where you're the only one that can see that document. I think it's really more logistically, what are the things, what are the ways unintentionally that confidentiality might be breached. Because again, it's never that it's something that happens intentionally, No. but what are the unintentional ways? And the one that came up, I I was setting up an, an Amazon Echo show and all of a sudden I'm setting it up and my calendar pops up and I'm like, no. oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. And so I had to yeah. go in and turn all those things off because other people are going to see that if you know, if it's in a public place and simple things like that of where are the gaps, where are the places where data could be seen, where this breach might happen and to consider what those are. That even goes for if you use a paper calendar, Yeah. where does that go? Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? Is that seen? I don't recommend putting your directees information on your desk calendar or whatever it is that it's in a place right. where you're the only one who sees it. When I think logistics, I just think less specific things and more as I think about confidentiality, what are those unintentional ways that confidentiality might be breached? And to really sit with that as a director so that it isn't something that it takes a lot of like front end work, It does, but it Mm -hmm. creates a whole lot of back end protection. It really does. And as you're talking, Jeremy, I'm really noticing my own mind going to professionalization of spiritual direction. We, mm. There's a lot of talk in spiritual direction circles about whether what we're doing is a kind of friendship, a soul friendship of some kind, or whether it's a more professional relationship. And I think one of the, the dangers of thinking about it not professionally is that things do get messy and leaky because we're all just friends here in some way. <laughs> so mm. I love that you're that you're thinking about that. And people like psychologists have whole protocols in their professional organizations that they must follow, you know, HIPAA and different things like that. Mm. We don't have that in that same way, For but it's not a bad idea to look at things like HIPAA mm. legislation to see if we want to do this really tightly with tight boundaries. Mm. How could we do that? Let's learn cross-professionally. 
Yeah. And I think the calendaring program that I use is HIPAA certified. I look for those things, not because I think as we get into that conversation about professionalism and sacred friendship and all of those places, not because I'm trying to lock it down, but because it's a gift to like, there's a tool that I could use that's already doing this thing. So why not? And it also made me think as you were speaking, Jeremy, from a practical level, and this is true wherever we are in the pandemic as we're recording this and as people are listening to this, there are a lot of ways in which people have office spaces or places with closed doors. They have become less common. We're working from home. We're even seen directors say, oh, we'll meet in a coffee shop. And I'm just watching your faces when I yes, say <laughs> but I, under, I understand the difficulty of finding a space to meet for spiritual direction and this desire, like we want to be back together in person. Absolutely. Um, but a coffee shop is not confidential. No. You don't know who can walk in and you are the one who sets up the standards of confidentiality. And so offering a public space for meeting for spiritual direction is saying, actually, this isn't so confidential. This isn't so important. And I know it's not an intention, but that's the impact of that choice is saying that this space isn't as sacrosanct as I think it is. Personally, I'm going to be a little bold to say that. And so thinking about where are the places that we can meet that are private, that are places where people aren't going to walk in on us, that that even if you are doing direction out of your home, is there a separate entrance? Is there a, is there thinking about, I don't, when I, if I do direction out of my home and in the seasons that I have, like my family's either not in the house or not anywhere near the door so that my family isn't seeing who walks in. And I'm, even in, I have an office space, I don't schedule directees or supervisees back to back so that they don't cross paths with each other yeah. so that they're not, oh, well, I didn't know you like that in and of itself is actually has to do with confidentiality and also capacity cushion. Just a plug for that episode to give space and to think about beyond the data bits and pieces of it, which are really important. What does it mean to honor the conversation by the setting of the conversation and the space that you're creating physically as well. It even makes me think of, and I know you do this, Tara, as, and so do, I mean, I do office out of my home and I do have a separate entrance, but I have a door that goes into the main part of my house. And so when I meet with directees in person, similarly, I usually my family's not at home, but if they are, I use a white noise machine, like worth, sure. worth the investment to just sit Absolutely. outside the door or get an app for your phone and set it outside the door that it creates just another layer. It makes me laugh. I was just with a family therapist, my family therapist just the other day. And there are just white noise machines outside of every yes, office. Everywhere. Yes. <laughs> it's like this cacophony of white noise happening, but there's part of me that goes, oh, this is a safe space that even that sound for me is like a little bit, Oh, what gets said in this room isn't going to be overheard. And there's some comfort that comes with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm aware too. I just, Katara said earlier, we're, we're just human beings here and we really mm-hmm. are, we're doing the best we can. And we've had this sort of revolution, many of us during the pandemic of transition to electronic means of Mm -hmm. meeting people. And that creates a whole other layer of challenge. And so if we're not completely together with all of our electronic data, I just want to encourage people to take the next right step. Mm -hmm. Just think about one thing, 
you might mm-hmm. be able to do to increase your confidentiality and you'll feel really good about it. And it will be mm-hmm. a growth in your professionalization. And I'm certainly not perfect at it, but I'm really trying because I know it really mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we will put in the show notes some suggestions for particular things that have worked in terms of an example of a data protection protocol. The tool that I use for email to send encrypted files is called Virtue, which is just a free plugin if you use Gmail. But we'll link to a few things that you might get you thinking about confidentiality and what that might look like for you and your practice in a different way. Yeah. So as we move to closure here, Jeremy, I wonder if you have something you might like to share about when supervision was in some way transformational for you when it was healing or comforting or whatever, whatever you found in it. I was thinking about, as you were sharing earlier, the idea that sometimes with our supervisor, that that becomes a safe place for us to step into as well. And that confidentiality gets held there. And how sometimes, Tara, I think you mentioned that our tendency or there's something internal in us that, that we want to share sometimes. There's this need to divulge. And I think sometimes that's when something's hard, that's true. But I think on the other end of that, when something's really beautiful, there's something like a desire in us to go, oh, I just had a beautiful experience with a directee. And that too is a breach of confidentiality. And so I remember a particular time in supervision. I think oftentimes when we, when I think about supervision, my mind goes to, I got to go take the hard stuff to (laughs) supervision. (laughs) Right. And I think one of the most transformational times that I had in supervision was stepping into supervision with just just being delighted Mm -hmm. and having a safe space to just be delighted about the witness of just seeing God at work in the, in, in the accompaniment process Mm -hmm. with a directee. And so that, that kind of came to mind that even in those moments that are beautiful and good, that the supervision process provides a space to step into that place of confidentiality. And so I had that experience of thinking about, oh, I've got a supervision appointment coming up. And, and again, because of that thought of, well, I've got to take the hard things, I'm sitting there going, I haven't really, I don't, I can't come up with something, right? It's been a really <laughs> good season with my directees, this whatever. And I just had this thought like, oh, what would it be like to just step in and say, I just want to celebrate this beautiful tr- just transformation that I'm seeing in the life of a directee. And I just want to, I just want there to be a safe space for me to acknowledge that God is at work and that it's been beautiful. And I don't have to divulge any names and I don't have to give a whole lot of detail, but there's this safe space where that confidentiality can be maintained. And yet I was able to ha- have that opportunity where we often don't have, and for good reason that we don't have that opportunity and we don't want to take an opportunity to do that. And so I think about that often when I'm thinking about supervision, oh, I can, I can celebrate in supervision yes. as well. It can yes. be, you can it can savor, be a right? I can savor and that's beautiful too. And so I think that's probably one that comes to mind, a, a time of supervision where I thought, oh, this can be a time of just uh, of beauty and celebration and savoring. And that can mean, that is also a way to, that we're maintaining that confidentiality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Jeremy, for being on the other side of the microphone with us. It was such a delight um, and gift. And we look forward to our listeners knowing who you are and and knowing that you're behind the scenes holding, holding them as well. So thanks for being here. Thanks. It's been good to be with you all today. Thanks for joining us for today's Three Association Conversation. This and every Three Association episode can be found at threeassociation.com, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast feed. We appreciate you being with us. Please feel free to forward this or any Three Association conversation to those who might benefit. Blessings on your life and ministry.